Okay, everybody, welcome back once again to Tech Gumbo. I'm Haggai Davis II, along with Haggai Davis III, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Here on our show, we like to talk about the past, present, and future of all things technology in a topical, interesting, and digestible way. Without geek speak or a bunch of acronyms, we just want to talk about technology that's important to us and important to you. We also want to thank Cardinal Capital. To business owners and CEOs, hopefully you have a good relationship with your lender. Even if you do, sometimes you face other challenges, such as a need to consolidate debt, a want to level out your cash flow, or a desire to buy new equipment because you're in growth mode. If this describes you, give Cardinal Capital a call, whatever your need or challenge. They have over 4,000 lenders where they source commercial capital for business clients. Chris, Gary, and Rob at Cardinal Capital have a passion for business, and they want you to succeed. When you meet with Cardinal Capital, they get to know you and your business, so they can present your needs to lending institution that will best fit your unique situation. In short, they go after money for your business. They translate your business into what's important for lenders, and they are good at it. Depending upon what the deal is, no matter how complicated or straightforward, they will help maximize your profitability while setting your business up for success. They find the best solution for your situation, all while being fun and easy to deal with. For more detailed information, visit their website at cardinalcap.net. You can also call them 225-308-3700 or email them info at cardinalcap.net. So, Mr. Davis, let's have ourselves some tech gumbo. By the way, the gumbo you made when you were down here and back in Thanksgiving, we pulled out the, the last bucket of frozen gumbo. It was really, really good. Well, I'm glad to hear it. I need to plan on going to make some here in New York City for my friends. Yes. So for those of you listening, we do like gumbo here in South Louisiana. That's kind of where the idea for the name Tech Gumbo came from, because you can put anything in gumbo and it's probably going to be pretty good. But that's not why you're here to hear, listen to us talk about gumbo. You're here to us talk about technology in a gumbo kind of way. So let's kick off the news and updates. We're going to spend a lot of time today talking about electric vehicles. Yes, we are. The, there's a new projection that uh, global electric vehicle sales will hit an important milestone in 2023. And this is going to be driven a lot by China. Chinese demand for electric vehicles is very high. And you have to think that a lot of that comes from the pollution their cities face. You know, there was all those pictures uh, in 2020 of the smog in Beijing before and after all the lockdowns. And so, you know, they have to think that people there saying, hey, if, you know, we stopped having these cars pumping out all these emissions, maybe we could get back to that clean air. That's right. So the big milestone is that they're projecting 10 percent of all vehicles sold will be EVs. As you start looking around the globe and seeing where these numbers are happening, certainly China is the biggest with almost 8 million EVs being sold just in China alone. Then you start looking across everything else. The, the different countries are really, really ramping up their production. Almost 20% of all the cars sold in China were electric. Europe is about 10%. We in the U.S. are only about 6%. But that number of about 6% was double in 2022 versus what it was in 2021. And so that's, that's a good direction to head in. And it's also really important because you reach that tipping point. 
That's right. 10% of total sales in any country is the tipping point that once you hit that number, then your sales just really skyrocket. And as you look around the globe at some of the different countries, when when you look at like Norway, Norway has almost 84% of all vehicles being sold in that country are EVs. Their incentive program was so successful to convince their residents to buy electric vehicles that they're now ending the program. Whenever you're at 83% of all new vehicles sold, you're a success because it's important to understand that adoption of new technologies follows an S-shaped curve. And so that's why this 5% in the U.S. is an important number because around the world, there are 18 countries, not including us, that have hit 5%. There are 17 countries that have hit 10%. And so that jump from 5% to 10% is a doubling, but it happens very quickly. And then in several countries around the world, once they cross 10%, that jump from 10% to 30%, which is a tripling, also happened very quickly. And so that's what a lot of people are getting excited about is that projections are saying we could really be seeing this conversion happen from the sale of internal combustion engines to the electric vehicles here not to be confused when when we said norway had almost 84 percent of their vehicles were evs in the first quarter of 2022 that was a total of 27,000 cars so yeah, maybe 100,000 cars for the whole year compared to China, which had 900,000 in that same quarter. It, it's it's kind of misleading, but it's still a significant number in that when you just have that larger percentage of total sales, that makes a difference. Oh, I very much agree that you have to look at the scale of the problem that whenever you think about how many people are in the entire country of Norway, does it look something like the number of people in the state of Louisiana? You do have to put these numbers in perspective. And then whenever you look at, well, China is 1.6 billion people. And so we're not even a large city in China. And so, yeah, you, you definitely have to understand that these problems exist at very different scales. But we see this S-shaped curve happening in many different places, regardless of what the denominator is, regardless of what that total number is, they all follow the, roughly this pattern of once you go from 5% to 10%, it's quick, and that 10% to 30% is also quick. So we, a lot of car manufacturers, a lot of people who work inside the industry are, are very excited that we could be seeing this transition happen over the next couple of years. When we say EV, we're not entirely meaning just the electric only. There is a big push for the the hybrid cars. There's there's still a a, a large percentage of of cars that are that are the hybrid where they are gasoline engine that powers the electric vehicles. And once the batteries are fully charged, then you're running on the battery, not on the gasoline. And that's a good thing. Quicker, they're adopting the EVs faster than they are the hybrids. Yeah, and just whatever it takes to make this work, you know, if you're someone out there considering a new car and maybe you're not ready for that that full electric commitment, maybe the the plug-in does make you feel a bit safer because it, you know, you'd still want some of that reliability 
um, you know, that's a completely understandable. Uh, any steps in the right direction is progress. And so the if the plug-in makes sense for you, the hybrid makes sense for you, go for it. If the full electric makes sense for you, go for it. Now, another story we did see came out of an MIT researcher who was trying to caution everybody that, hey, even if everybody went to self-driving cars, doesn't mean that that's not still going to have an impact on climate change. Right. So the specific problem they were looking at is the impact of self-driving cars because the amount of calculations that self-driving cars are going to need to perform is enormous. The amount of numbers that are going to need to be crunched to have all these cars and trucks and devices flying around and navigating themselves and not crashing, it's expected to be very computationally intensive, and we know that that draws power. And so this study looked at estimating how much energy will need to be consumed and then looking at here in the U.S., how do we produce our energy? And because here in the U.S., so much of our energy still comes from fossil fuels, that this is a concern that electric self-driving cars could still end up producing a lot of carbon emissions. When you consider that we don't have that many nuclear power plants and the regulations and the difficulties trying to get a nuclear power plant built can take 30 years or more. It's not likely we're going to be throwing up a whole lot of nuclear power plants anytime soon. So then we're looking at the other alternatives, solar, wind, hydroelectric. It just, it's going to be a long time before we can generate enough power from the clean energy as opposed to from the coal and and natural gas plants. Yeah, and that's a good point that while this study did look specifically through the lens of self-driving cars, it really is a story about the future in general, that everything will be using more computing power in the future. We will have more computers, we'll have stronger computers, and that's personal computers, that is computers everywhere. And also just in general, we as a society will consume more energy. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. There's a lot of strong ties between energy consumption and economic development. And so it could potentially be a good thing that we are consuming more energy as long as our energy production is clean. And so that's really the takeaway of this story is that even if we're doing a lot of other things right, we still have to have our production move towards those cleaner sources, move towards that, that solar, as you said, move towards that wind, as you say. Because, you know, that's it really is going to take a, a decarbonization of the entire system in order for us to have that effective change. Well, some guys in Wyoming figured they'd jump out and get in front of this whole thing. There's six legislators out there in, in Wyoming, state legislators, who are put together some legislation that they're going to ban the sale of electric vehicles by the year 2035. This is an interesting choice by these legislatures. We haven't seen a lot of indication that this will pass and become a full law in the state of Wyoming. It looks more that they're just thumbing their noses at the whole concept here. And I understand where they're coming from. 
that a lot of Wyoming's income is related to oil and gas, both as a state and as the people of the state. Louisiana is very similar. And that's in the state of Louisiana, a lot of the income of the state and of the people of the state is tied to oil and gas production. But that won't be true forever. It can't be true forever. Oil and gas production will end at some point in time. And the question we have to ask ourselves is what comes next? And then you start to say, well, what if the U.S. decided to lead on these issues? What if the U.S. decided to get really good at this? What if we became experts? And that way, whenever the rest of the world makes this transition, they have to come to us for our knowledge. And we export American ideas about how to do all of this. And we place ourselves back in number one at in this new category, and we future-proof ourselves and are ready for the rest of this century and into the 22nd century. But that's not the path they're taking here. Well, realistically, when you consider that Wyoming has a little more than 500,000 people total in, in the state, which is less than the greater Baton Rouge area, then... It's, it's not going to be a huge economic impact if we don't sell a whole lot of EVs in Wyoming. I, I just don't see this legislation going anywhere. I can't for the life of me think that, that there's enough people who would say, no, you can't sell a viable product. That just doesn't sound business-like to me. Whether it's an EV, a hybrid, a gas, a diesel, a, a whatever, if it's a working product, and I want to buy it, I should be able to buy it. Yeah, I, I agree that it's it's unlikely that this law turns out to have meaningful consequences in and of itself. It's more the, the attitude and the mindset, I think, because if it does end up making headway, I could see other states passing some sort of copycat legislature. And that's the the thing which concerns me is that this these it's a direction we have to be headed in, that we need to be taking the lead on these things. We could really have create new jobs that are going to exist far into the future. And it's it's about the attitude and the mindset, I think, as opposed to this specific instance of this specific bill. Well, we've talked about it on this show. There is maybe 40 to 45 years of oil left to pull out of the ground. If we don't have gasoline because we can't, there's no more oil to pull out of the ground, what are we going to run the cars on? What are we going to run the trucks on? What are we going to run the planes with? And so we've got to find something else to do if we're going to get around this globe or we're just all going to be on sailboats. I agree that it's there is an argument to be made about the climate. That's not the argument that you and I are making here. The argument you and I are making here is that they're just realities that at some point in time, we will have to do something else. And we can either have it catch up to us and smack us in the face, or we could be out in front of it. And the choice is ours. Because I, I grew up in an oil family. Financially, my family, we still benefit from the oil industry here. So this is not an anti-oil and gas statement at all. This is a statement of fact that the American Petroleum Institute has come out and said, there's 40, maybe 45 years of oil left, period. Go look it up. And so if the industry is saying that's how much we have left, we need to start looking beyond the horizon as to what's coming next. Yeah, I, I very much agree. The, the final story we wanted to get into here still deals with electric vehicles, but more with the self-driving aspect. 
news came out recently that a 2016 video that Tesla used to promote the self-driving aspects of its car were actually completely staged. The New York Times reported that Tesla engineers had created 2016 video to promote autopilot, but they didn't tell anybody that the route that the car had, had was taking was already hard mapped into and in, well in advance. And oh, by the way, the car crashed during the middle of the of the camera shoot. Yes, the car ran into a fence on the Tesla parking lot, and that's not a great sign. It's also concerning because Musk tweeted out, Tesla drives itself, no human input at all, through urban streets to highway to streets, then finds a parking spot. And the video carried a tagline saying, the person in the driver's seat is only there for legal reasons. He is not doing anything. The car is driving itself. If both Musk and the company are knowingly misrepresenting what is happening, that seems like a problem. Yes, and we certainly have talked uh, the five levels of, of autonomous vehicles on this the show for many, many times. And then to to think that currently we're in level two, looking longingly to get to level three and or four, that in 2016, where we were nowhere close to level two, and they're out there making these videos saying, hey, we got these self-driving cars. God, that just seems like a problem. It's one of the reasons why I've been critical of Musk, because every year since 2017, he's made statements that by the end of the year, we should have self-driving cars. Now, he's always hedged these statements. He's used weasel words like probably, I think, maybe. So it's never 100%. You have to be very transparent with the public about the capabilities of this technology because it is new and it is dangerous. The reason that we found out about this claim, uh, about the, the fabrication of that video, was during depositions from engineers at Tesla due to a crash that occurred. There was a lawsuit over a crash in 2018 that killed someone, and people still die in Tesla vehicles because they don't understand what the system is actually capable of. This is a really important distinction we need to make both now and going forward in the future. When you consider the fact that Tesla is a publicly traded company, and when the CEO is tweeting things, that's kind of official information about your company that's helped driving the stock price. And the Security and Exchange Commission is probably going to want to have a conversation or two about the outcome of this trial. I agree. I think another organization would be the National Transportation Safety Board, National Highway Transportation Safety Administration. Both of these two federal organizations really need to look at these systems that are in place here and are they protecting customers are they protecting the traveling public in such a way that you know not only is the driver safe but are the other people on the road around them safe these are things that we expect our government to keep us safe we expect our government to put in guardrails around us and so you know i, I want to know why has nothing been done yet well, the NTSB did come out in 2020 
and said that there was a car crash that was likely caused by distraction and the limitations of the autopilot. It said the Tesla's ineffective monitoring of driver engagement had contributed to the crash. So that's that's that chipping away at, at that iceberg to getting down to the point that it's not what they're saying that it, it's not not everything that they're cracked up to be. Yeah, this is another one of those places that we talk about the need for legislation that keeps up with the changing technologies. Absolutely, we need it here. We want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed service provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers across the southeastern United States. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through continuous innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 180 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, program designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of business schools and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business strengths. This has become a proven formula. So proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need IT services, new technology, or have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. If you enjoyed our show today, we are here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4 p.m. And the show reruns Sundays also at 4 p.m. If you missed any part of the show or you'd like to hear this or previous episodes, check out our podcast. Available on almost every podcast platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, and more. When you're there, be sure to subscribe so you get notified every time we post a new episode. If you like our show or you have any suggestions, let us know on our website at www.techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.